and welcome back to Focal Point, the IMV Imaging Podcast. I'm Harriet, your host, and I'm joined by the usual members of the IMV clinical team. So we've got Sam. Hi, everybody. And Amy. Hi, guys. And we have Pete, one of our IMV account managers, joining us. So hi, Pete, and thank you for coming on the podcast. Hi, everybody. So this month's discussion is all about Doppler ultrasound, and we're going to be discussing the indications, the technique, and the different types of Doppler which are available and when to use them. Of course, of course, this will be relevant to all vets that are scanning in practice. So to start the discussion off, what is Doppler ultrasound and what are the different types of Doppler that are available? Yeah, so um, Doppler ultrasound um, comes in a, a few different forms. Uh, so you typically, the ones you'll come across would be called colour Doppler, power Doppler, pulsed wave Doppler and, and continuous wave Doppler. And they can be split broadly into kind of colour representations of flow, which would be colour and power Doppler or spectral representations, spectral Doppler, but they're all based on the same basic principle in physics, which is the Doppler effect. Um, how much do you guys want me to go into the Doppler effect? As much as you much. want. Let's do it. So for anyone who has watched the Big Bang Theory, this will be a refresher. For any, everyone else, uh, this will maybe be new to you, but the Doppler effect is essentially when you have a moving object interacting either in interacting with sound, the sound waves can be squashed or stretched by that moving object. Um, so the, the example that people will come across most often in their day-to-day -day lives will be a, a moving vehicle, uh, particularly, uh, you know, an emergency services vehicle with a siren. You'll typically hear them coming towards you with a... Um, increasing pitch so there's the sound will be going so that's as the vehicle moves towards you effectively the sound waves are getting squashed by that vehicle moving towards you and your position so the pitch um or the frequency of that sound wave has to increase and as it moves away from you it's stretching out that sound and therefore you perceive that as a lower pitch, a lower frequency. And that's exactly the same effect that your ultrasound machine is picking up when it's measuring Doppler. Um, as the typically what we're looking at is gonna be blood, um, and that's gonna be moving through the vessels. And as the ultrasound waves hit it, as it's coming from the probe and hitting that moving blood, the moving blood will stretch or squat squash the ultrasound uh, waves a little bit and change the frequency ever so slightly and as that then bounces back to the probe it can detect uh, how much that shift was um, and use that to work out um, how fast the blood is moving in many cases or just show you a, a representation of that flow um, as colour in the case of colour and power Doppler. Um, so it can be very useful just to get a kind of um, subjective assessment of the blood that's moving, or you can also use it to get a quantitative assessment of the exact velocity of the blood um, that you're seeing. There are some variations, like in more niche cases, um, people will use it to measure things like myocardial contractility using tissue Doppler. But for general general kind of use in, in most practices, unless you're getting into more specialist, it's going to be used for looking at uh, blood. 
Okay, so the different types of Doppler ultrasound that you're likely to encounter in practice are going to be color Doppler, power Doppler, pulsed wave Doppler, and continuous wave Doppler. The first two would be kind of color-coded representations of flow. So you'll see within a box on the screen, color appearing that is there to show you that something is moving, which is typically going to be blood. With pulsed and continuous wave, you will typically get a spectral trace um, whereby the velocity is the velocity that's being measured is plotted against time um, and you can see how that's changing as different events within the heart happen um, which is typically where you're going to want to quantify flow the most so color and power doppler are a little bit more subjective and open to interpretation by the user whereas power and continuous wave doppler uh, are more quantifiable and you can measure specific velocities to produce values that you can use against a reference range. Is there any advantage to using continuous wave Doppler over pulsed wave Doppler? Uh, yes, absolutely. So um, as the name suggests, pulsed wave and continuous wave are sending out sound in slightly different ways. So with pulsed wave Doppler, um, a, a pulse of sound will be sent out, go into the patient, the Doppler effect will happen to it. It will come back to the probe. The machine will measure that Doppler effect, um, work out the velocity, plot it on a graph. With continuous wave, the machine will just be constantly sending sound and receiving sound. So it's not waiting for those. It's not having to pulse and then wait. So the, there's a, there's a trade-off between the two. So with pulsed wave, what you get to do is you get a line on the screen and there's a little kind of break in that line that's called the sample volume um, or gate uh, sometimes and you can set that sample volume to a specific point on the screen and then the machine will measure the velocity within that point so it is uh, region or depth specific so that you know that the velocities you're measuring are only going to come from that point however the trade-off is that there will be a maximum velocity that the machine is able to measure. Um, the maximum velocity is really determined by how quickly the machine can send those pulses of sound into the patient, and it's often called the pulse repetition frequency, which is then generally just uh, displayed as a scale in meters or centimeters a second on the screen. But because of that, at a certain point, the machine will not be able to send another sound wave because it's still waiting for the first one to come back. So it won't be able to keep measuring higher and higher velocities. So there'll be a, a limit, a hard limit to doing that. Because continuous wave is just constantly sending sound in, it overcomes that problem. But the trade-off is that it is now no longer depth or region specific. It will just measure velocities down the whole line that you've set. So down the entire vertical line on the screen. Um, and therefore, you will, while you'll be able to measure a much higher velocity, you will no longer be able to say with certainty that the velocity you are measuring is coming from where you think it is. So you do need to have done an assessment beforehand with color Doppler, ideally, just to make sure that, you know, maybe the, the jet that you're seeing 
you are positioned over it and there aren't any other things that you could be confusing it with. Yeah, I was going to say, thanks, Pete. That, that makes a lot of sense. If if you're looking if you're looking at the spectral display, so that graphical display we've mentioned, is there a way that you can tell whether you're looking at a spectral display from a continuous Doppler trace and a pulsed wave Doppler trace? Um, typically, you will have activated them separately on the machine, so you would normally have a separate button called either PW or CW or various different names. Um, typically, though, with a pulsed wave trace, you'll get more of a kind of line which is sometimes referred to as an envelope so you'll get a line with black area above it and black area underneath it and you'll just be tracing kind of the velocity from that point whereas with continuous wave you tend to get um kind of peaks and troughs that are completely filled with information um because it's measured everything down that line so it's got velocities all the way from kind of zero up to the maximum that you've seen so that whole kind of uh spectral graph if you like is is kind of filled with information rather than impulse wave having these kind of distinct sort of like almost like ghostly lines up and down the screen um which may indicate but the the clearly the most obvious and concrete way is just to check which mode that you are activating on your machine um when you're going into it i know we've touched on doppler display modes but is there any chance you could Tell us the difference between color Doppler and power Doppler. Um, yeah, so that's a great question about the the Doppler display, the different Doppler display modes. So one of the things I think is is really good to mention is that because some one of the things. So if if you if you're not getting the fact Doppler can sometimes be a bit confusing, I think for for people when they're listening, and um, we've already confused ourselves several times <laughs> through the course of the discussion. Um, so with the with the we talk about the spectral displays, so that graphical display, we often mention pulsed wave and continuous wave is the way they, they are but um pulsed wave doppler so using those pulses of sound just as pete described um can be displayed in different ways so you can pulse you're using pulsed wave doppler to create a color display in color doppler and power doppler modes so in color doppler what happens is the Doppler shift data that the probe is, is receiving um, is then taken by the system and depending on the direction and often the velocity, it's then given a, a colour. And the, the typical the typical sort of system in a color Doppler mode is that we use we use red and blue, and red is for for flow that's coming towards the transducer, and blue that's for flow that's moving away from it. And the intensity of the color on some systems is related to uh, the velocity of that that flow. So we're taking that Doppler shift data in the directional data and we're turning it into colors. So just like in our um, spectral display, we would have a, again a sample box or sample volume we put on the screen, and then we can the colors the Doppler shift is then given color color data that we put on there. Power Doppler is a little different. It's still a color display, but what it does is that rather than taking that directional information, it just sums, it adds together all the sort of Doppler shift that's coming from an area and just shows it as shades and intensity of one color. And then that um, is then put within the box that we place that sample volume on the screen. 
And the advantage of power Doppler over color Doppler is that because power Doppler is ignoring that directional information, it has the potential to, to, to it's more sensitive. It, it picks up potentially more lower velocity flow, which can be useful in areas of the, um, of the body where flow is lower naturally. Um, so that the typical example I tend to use is in the sort of portal venous system where the flow is is considerably lower velocity um, than than in the the arterial or venous system and um, so you're often talking about flow of about five to ten centimeters a second which is quite low so power can be um, useful at picking up that low velocity flow so that's the difference between those two modes and how they're displayed yes and yeah as, as we said a bit earlier the power doppler can be a bit more subject to flash artifact due to that extra sensitivity so if the patient's moving or panting you may pick up tissue movement um more than you would with color doppler just go back to flash artifact is there any chance you could expand on that just because this is the first time i'm hearing of it yeah so it's essentially when you get um kind of a lot of what you would consider useless color information filling the box in either color or power Doppler, which is really just going to be caused by um, movement of structures other than blood. So, you know, if you're doing an abdominal scan, um, typically everything might be quite still, but the patient is still breathing um, and or potentially a bit wriggly. Uh, and you are also sliding your probe as well. So all of these things would count as movement um, for the machine. They would cause some Doppler shift. Um, and particularly when you are using the more sensitive power Doppler, which is looking at kind of low velocities, the tissue is also moving at quite a low velocity as well. So the, it's, it's almost optimized a bit for that as well. So as things are moving too much, you will just see the whole box kind of fill with color, um, which makes it more difficult to interpret. Is there a way of optimizing your color Doppler settings to reduce things like artifact? Jessica's, um, I think most most ultrasound machines do come with pulsed wave Doppler and therefore colour. And I think people are a little bit sort of scared of it almost because it comes with its whole other menu of optimization settings. So just wondering what we can change about the optimization of Doppler to make it sort of as um, accurate and in inverted commas as possible. Yeah, so um, as, as the kind of basic steps, um, I would I would do at least two things. So as a bare minimum, you should be changing the size of your color box to either reduce or expand it, but you will want to make it as small as possible over the area of interest. So you can expand it if necessary, but ideally smaller is better. The reason being the bigger you make that color box, the more area the machine has to sample and therefore the slower it will run. Um, and if you make the color box too big, the machine can appear to sort of start to almost stutter as it's trying to do too much at once, which then can make it more difficult to interpret what you're seeing. Um, and frame rate would be probably less important in the, the abdomen, but is really quite critical in when you're doing a heart scan where everything is moving quite quickly. Um, you know, maybe less so in a big dog, but especially in like a cat where you can have really quite high heart rates the more frame rates, the higher the frame rate is, the more you're going to be able to interpret. Um, 
And then the other thing I would do is just make sure that your gain is set appropriately. So if you scan your patient and get the color box positioned where you would like it to be, just then take your probe off the patient, turn the gain up. And on most machines, typically the gain control, the, the main gain control will still be the gain control or, or will become the gain control for color Doppler while you're in color Doppler. Some machines will have a separate kind of active mode control um, to control the color gain, but most machines it will just be the main gain control while color is active. So you can turn that up. What I would typically do is turn it up until I get a little bit of noise appearing in the screen. So kind of random uh, random dots appearing. And remember, we don't have the probe on the patient, so we can see all these random dots. Then just turn the gain down again until all those dots just go away. And you should then have the gain set as high as possible without giving you artifact in your image. So you should be able to pick up as much as possible. Now, obviously, having that kind of gain increased, you may get a bit more um, artifact for movement if it's if it's a little bit more sensitive, but um, typically having it kind of set on the threshold of best, you know, maximum gain is is best so that you can see the the most. Uh, but that would be for the the kind of color Dopplers, color and power Doppler. I was going to ask. I don't know how this is this will fit in, but I was going to ask. Um, everybody wants to know whether they need a whether they need continuous wave Doppler. Um, and whether they need a phased array probe on their machine when they're shopping for a new one. So what kind of words of advice or um, advice do you give people to try and decide this? Um, yeah, it's, to be honest, it's generally a question that I put to the vet in question when I'm asking them if they, to, to sort of judge what level, um, to judge what level they're at. So typically when I am sort of asking what, spec of ultrasound machine they want i would ask them whether they think they are at the level that they are going to use continuous wave doppler um or doppler in general um, for cardiac applications which is where we would use continuous and pulsed wave doppler realistically if you are thinking about getting more into cardiology you, you and you are thinking that you're at the level you want to do doppler then continuous wave doppler is recommended um with pulsed wave, as we said, you are going to be limited in the, the the velocities that you can measure. So, you know, even in a kind of a moderate kind of jet, you you may well easily be exceeding what the machine can measure. So, you probably will want continuous wave Doppler if you feel you're at the level that you are taking that you are wanting to do Doppler in cardiology. And on, um, I think pretty much every system I've ever encountered, continuous wave is only an option on a phased array probe. Um, and the reasons for having a phased array probe are probably slightly outside of this, but typically it is a probe that is considered more of a cardiac probe and works on a slightly different principle to other probe types like convex and linear probes um, so that it is more easy to image the heart with as you have the sound kind of originating effectively from a single point. Uh, and it's much easier to get between the ribs. But if you want continuous wave Doppler, it's probably going to be an essential as well. Um, and things like color Doppler and pulse wave Doppler are typically not ideal on something like a microconvex probe. It's not going to be optimized quite as much for that purpose as a as kind of dedicated cardiac probe. So you should find that the Doppler on a dedicated cardiac probe is uh, more capable um, and gives you a, a kind of 
wider range and a, a you know higher velocity uh, the ability to measure higher velocities no that's great and i i know we're not all, none of us are cardiologists but now that we've spoken about doppler what are the clinical applications i know you've mentioned echocardiography which is where we commonly associate doppler with but what are the particular pathologies that we're looking for when we're using doppler yeah so absolutely cardiology is probably the the classic one but there are you know many other um uses for abdominal ultrasound so you know most often we're just concerned in in abdominal ultrasound whether something is or is not a blood vessel versus another structure um so you know in say you might be assessing kind of renal blood flow and checking whether there is good kind of uh, flow in in the whole kidney you may be looking at um, a mass or what might be a mass to see what the vascularization vascularization is like um, which can then potentially aid with surgery um, if you can see you know there's lots of tiny little blood vessels everywhere and it's you know really well vascularized with these little things you may know that it's going to be quite a difficult surgery or if you see just sort of one big vessel that seems to be supplying it that may also give you an indication of what to look for if there's like what you know a big thing that you need to tie off when removing that mass um it may also help you in the liver if trying to distinguish between blood vessels and other structures um like bile ducts really good for shunt hunting on this on the subject of liver and say if you are looking for a shunt are you just looking for direction of flow with colour Doppler or are you looking for turbulence or what would you be looking to find if you were hunting for a shunt? Well, I was going to say, I mean, on the subject of, of hunting for shunts, that it, it is a, that is definitely a kind of slightly more advanced application of abdominal ultrasound because you have to be quite kind of confident in your knowledge of the vascular anatomy. Because remember, we have different types of shunts that, that can be present, um, the congenital and acquired shunts. And even within congenital shunts, there's portal cable shunts, there's portal ozygous shunts as well. So with Doppler definitely has an application because there are differences in, you obviously have a anomalous kind of um, blood vessels connecting to, to circulatory systems that shouldn't be connected at that point effectively by bypassing some of the livers um, the livers uh, 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 sort of processing and um, so you can use Doppler to identify those anomalous vessels by identifying the structures that you want to sort of check for them between so there's common places that they tend to occur you can also use the spectral displays to actually get more accurate velocity measurements and there are velocity changes at certain points in the circulatory system where you have those vessels that shouldn't be there as well so so doppler does have a role in it as well but it is it is something that requires a lot of time and, and practice to get better at especially having a good knowledge of the anatomy so it's certainly something that's quite advanced and especially now days with dealing with um, shunt cases 
you have other imaging modalities that can provide you a lot of very useful complementary information as well. So the classic one being performing CT and uh, post contrast, so CT angiography is then able to actually visualize where some of those vessels might be as well. So an adjunct to ultrasound, but it's not um, with the sort of hunting for shunts. It is a, it is a fantastic thing to be able to do, um, but it is more advanced. So it's something that people can aspire to if you've got an interest in ultrasound it's something to kind of work up towards absolutely thanks sam has anyone got any other important considerations that you think should be mentioned when using doppler well, i've got a good acronym for the directionality you can always remember it for color doppler with bart simpson which is blue away and red towards the probe could you just briefly explain pete why if somebody is trying to image um, a vessel, a vascular structure, which is traveling perpendicular to the ultrasound probe, that they're going to struggle to get a signal a lot of the time. Because I think that's something that um, confuses and depresses people a little bit, trying to use Doppler in practice on sort of a, a deep structure. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. So it, Doppler in all its forms is a has a kind of directionality in that it works best on things moving towards and away from the probe. But if we think back to our kind of earlier analogy of the sound being squashed and stretched, if my probe is sending out sound straight down into the patient and then back up and then it reflects back up into the probe, if I've got something going horizontally across the screen, aka perpendicular to that sound, the movement of that is not really going to be stretching or squashing my sound because it's moving across the sound wave rather than towards and away from it where it can kind of squash and stretch it. Um, so having your positioning, try, trying to position on the screen whatever you're interested in as best as possible so that it at least kind of comes sort of partly sort of diagonally towards and away from you will allow you to pick up a Doppler signal from it much better Thanks, Peter. It's a really great um, explanation. That's a really useful acronym, the, the BART, BART Simpson, a really good way of remembering it as well. Um, with the, um, we talked a lot about with the colour, with it being blue and red. So something, something I often hear is when people talk about green, green colours being used for turbulent flow, I think especially in, in echocardiography when people are doing it what does what does the green color mean and 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 what 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 sort of what is that that's sort of there because we know reds towards and, and blues away so what happens when there's sort of another another color there and why do we use that yeah so it's um it's generally a, a choice that you can choose to have on or off on a machine or maybe it's part of one of the color maps for color flow but you're absolutely right that it will display turbulence as green with it on it's it's typically called variance um and it is essentially a kind of computer aided overlay of detecting turbulence so the machine will pick up if it can see kind of a mixing of red and blue in one area so kind of lots of bits of color all moving around in one spot and it will then display them as green instead of red and blue to say look here all the blood's just moving around all in a turbulent way. Um, this is probably something of interest to you. And it can then help you see something like a jet 
or like a valve insufficiency where the, the blood's kind of in the heart at least going the wrong way and kind of then mixing with blood coming the other direction. So it, it, it's just a way of helping highlight to the user that there is something, um, you know, abnormal and of interest happening. And is there anything that you need to alter when you're looking at this turbulent flow to make sure that you're not just artifactually thinking it's higher than it is? Absolutely. So one of the things that it can be quite easy to get confused with between, um, you know, a true jet and an artifact is something called aliasing. So this is probably really going to be a consideration in the heart more than anywhere else um, because with the exception of maybe shunts as we've said you're generally not that interested in which way the blood is going in the abdomen but in the heart we are quite interested in which way it's going whether it's going the way we expect or not on every ultrasound machine in color doppler you will have um, a scale which is typically displayed uh, as a number at the top and bottom of the, there's like a little color bar, red and blue at one side of the screen or the other that typically has a number in meters or centimeters a second. And it may be displayed elsewhere as well. But that number is going to be the maximum velocity that the machine can show before aliasing occurs. And aliasing is a, um, is a concept that can be a little bit difficult to get your head around and probably even more so on a podcast without any visual references. But where you will have seen it happen will be in uh, films or kind of TV shows. If you see, uh, if you've ever seen like a car wheel filmed, you may see that at some point it appears like it's, it's rotating forward and it looks absolutely correct and then at another, at some point, it seems to almost stop and then start going the other way. Um, and the reason for that is that the, the video camera is going to be taking pictures, um, lots of pictures a second. And as that wheel's rotating, it's taking a picture of a wheel in one position, then another, and the wheel is rotating round. And as long as the wheel is moving forward and the camera takes a picture and then it moves forward and takes a picture, it's fine. The wheel still looks like it's moving forward. But if the wheel starts moving so fast that it goes, um, you know, almost all the way around and then the camera takes a picture and then it makes it almost all the way around again, but not quite as far. And then the camera takes a picture. It starts to look like the wheels moving backwards, even though the wheels may be gone a whole turn and a bit more and then a whole turn and a bit bit more so we can kind of think of our camera as our ultrasound machine so our ultrasound machine as we said is taking pulse wave samples so it's taking a picture a sample a pulse wave sample then it's waiting then it's taking another and if the blood starts to move too quickly to the machine it can start to look like the blood is moving the other way and so the machine starts to show it up as the wrong color so something if we had say the scale set at 80 centimeters a second and we see something on the screen moving at, and there's something moving at 100 centimeters a second in the patient, that's higher than our scale. So it will start to show up as the wrong color. So it starts to show up as blue instead of red. And that can be quite confusing. And you may think that it's a jet. Um, so the, there's no kind of real easy way to get around it, but you just, you always need to be interpreting your color Doppler image 
with one eye on what your scale is currently set as. And the scale is one of the things that you will need to optimize, particularly in cardiology, to get the most out of your system. So um, as a rough rule of thumb, I generally go with something like 80 centimeters or 0.8 meters a second in a long axis view um, where the blood is going to be moving reasonably horizontally across the screen and not well optimized. Um, and then as we move to other views where we've got things coming more towards and away from the probe and some of our left sided views, um, moving sort of closer to 100 centimeters a second, 100 centimeters being kind of what we would expect for reasonably normal velocities in the heart. But in the long axis example, we've actually set our scale potentially lower than what we know the velocities would be. So we would just want to interpret with caution. And if we do a do suspect aliasing one way that can you can sort of tell whether it is or not is if you can increase your scale and the kind of what looked like a jet the the kind of blue bit in the red goes away we were probably looking at aliasing um all i was going to ask is why particularly do you set the velocity lower in the long axis view compared to the short axis view not not so much the short axis but if i'm in a right-sided long axis view the you know i'm going to have kind of the ventricle and the atrium almost horizontally across the screen and therefore as we said things going horizontally aren't picked up as well so to be able to see uh if you like more color doppler reducing the scale will increase the sensitivity of the doppler to lower velocities or in our case because things aren't moving as much towards the probe as we like to the machine the blood is moving slower even though in reality it's moving at you know the same or normal speed to the machine the blood is slower but then if we move to left-sided views and other things where the blood is kind of coming more towards and away from the probe to the machine that's faster so we would want to optimize our scale appropriately for that so it's more about just we're optimizing the scale so that we can kind of see, uh, you know, the best and as representation of flow as we can um, for whatever particular orientation we find ourselves in. But it's just bearing in mind that just interpret your, you know, your images with in mind, you know, where your blood is currently moving in relation to your ultrasound beam. Um, and the scale that you've currently set, um, you know, obviously, and if you've set the scale, you know, much too low um, for what you think is, you know, currently on the screen, then you'd, you'd be expecting aliasing and you'd be like, okay, that's fine. This does look abnormal, but I know why it's an artifact. My scale is too low uh, for the velocities that I'm expecting. Therefore, I probably just need to try and increase those. It can be tricky because you may find on your machine there is a fundamental limit to how high you can set the, the velocity and that will be determined by a couple of or the scale that will be determined by a couple of other things the frequency you've chosen for your color doppler and the depth that you set your color doppler box um so uh frequency affects it because the lower you set the frequency the higher you'll be able to set on your scale because lower frequencies will be affected a bit less they won't shift as much in terms of frequency so that you can measure a higher velocity um, whereas a higher frequency you'll get uh, a bigger kind of doppler shift and you won't be able to measure quite as high a maximum scale so this is why you may hear people saying things like 
lower frequencies are better, in air quotes, for uh, color Doppler. But the box position makes quite a big difference as well. So the lower, the deeper you set your color box, the lower the maximum scale you'll be able to set will be. And that's coming back to, we said color Doppler is made of pulse wave samples. It has to send a pulse, wait, the pulse comes back, then send another. So the deeper you set it, the longer the machine has to wait, and therefore it can't measure quite as higher, um, a higher maximum velocity. So it will be more challenging in uh, bigger dogs potentially um, to achieve the same scale as you could in a cat. It's just a fundamental limitation, and that's why uh, you know if you you know you're a cardiologist, you may have sort of several sizes of heart probes so you've got different frequency ranges for each size of patient but it's not a luxury that everyone has in general practice due to the expense no that's great thank you so much for uh, explaining that it makes far more sense thank you i don't know if it makes sense but hopefully that's what i was going to say peter it was like when you started and you said aliasing's tricky to explain without uh, anything to see i was like yeah definitely but then yeah you, i thought it was brilliant i thought it was a great way of explaining it good perfect well what about spectral doppler how does that differ from color doppler and the other types of doppler that we've already spoken about yeah so they're, they're kind of almost two sides of the same coin really so spectral doppler so we've got two different kinds of spectral doppler Pulsed wave and continuous wave Doppler. Um, pulsed wave is basically the same thing that we've already talked about. Both color Doppler and power Doppler are going to be made up of pulsed wave samples, which is sending a little pulse out of sound, waiting for it to hit something, and then bouncing back to the probe. It's just displaying the information in a slightly different way. Um, so with your spectral Dopplers, you have um, typically... Uh, a middle line, so it's almost like a graph, a middle line, a scale down one side in meters or centimeters a second, and then the machine will plot the velocities moving either towards or away from the probe at the top or bottom of that middle line, um, and give you a display against time of the velocities that you're measuring. Um, and it kind of moves along, and if you're familiar with M mode, as it kind of Kind of like a graph that's kind of constantly scrolling down the screen almost like an ecg coming like an ecg paper coming out of an ecg machine it kind of just scrolls along the screen um and it just plots velocity against time and you can measure then the maximum velocity that you found and see if that's abnormal against a reference range um pulse wave is good in that it allows you to be region specific so you, with pulse wave, you typically get a line appear on the screen that has a break in it called the sample volume. You put that in an area, and then once you activate your pulse wave, it will sample only velocities from that area. So you can be like, yes, I've seen a velocity here, and it's definitely from that area. Continuous wave is a slightly different concept to what we've talked about before. Um, it still works on exactly the same principle, the Doppler effect. Uh, but instead, unlike our pulsed wave sampling in color and pulsed wave and so on, it works on continuous. So as the name suggests, instead of sending out pulsed wave sound, we're sending out sound continuously. So the machine is just constantly sending and receiving sound 
Typically, when you activate continuous wave Doppler, you'll just get a line down the screen and it won't have a break in it. You may see there's a kind of like a something you can move up and down the line, maybe like a diamond or a horizontal line. That's not where the machine is measuring sound. That is the focus point of the continuous wave Doppler. So ideally put it where you are most interested, but it doesn't make a huge difference to the, the end effect. Um, so the advantage of the machine doing this and continuously sending sound is that compared to pulsed wave, where we have to wait, we no longer have to wait for the sound to come back. It's always coming back. So we can measure a much higher velocity than we could with our pulsed wave. Um, so if you've got a jet or something abnormal in the heart, typically that is probably going to exceed what your pulsed wave is able to measure. If it's reasonably mild, you, you may still be able to measure it in pulsed wave and quantify it that way. But if it is relatively severe, um, and it depends on the machine to, as to what the maximum the machine can measure is in each mode, but typically continuous wave will be much, much higher and you'll be able to quantify much higher velocities with the sacrifice that what you're measuring is no longer region or depth specific. It's just measuring everything down the line. So there is the small risk that you could misinterpret something if there was something else down that line uh, with a you know an abnormal or high velocity. But as you should have done a kind of color doctor assessment of the you know, typically the heart anyway first you should have a reasonably good idea that the where the jet is or where you're trying to measure and that there isn't anything else that's going to be causing any um sort of conflict or mis misdiagnosis perfect i was going to say we made when pete explained the doppler effect at the start he had to do an impression of an ambulance I think it would be good if everybody else did their own impression of the Doppler effect <laughs> and then chose <laughs> and then chose uh, what their favourite area to apply the Doppler effect to in the body was. You have lost your mind. <laughs> That's so funny because I was just Googling Doppler <laughs> jokes. Remember when we did jokes for ophthalmology? And there's one way you can you do a cat impression as if it were a dollar dollar. Sorry. You're ruining this great physics talk. We I know, having. like, who invited them? I, th I thought that would be fun. I know, that is fun. Go on. Someone do an impression. Go on then, Sam. Start it off. Okay, just for reference, I'm going to be a fast-moving car. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> right, you you make you're making me laugh too much to do it. You're going to it's not going to be very accurate now. All right, I got, I got, no no no. Wait, I, wait, I have wait, high wait, expectations. Wait. Yeah, pretty good. I yeah the 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 applause is just deafening. Yeah, it is. It's been it's been edited out. <laughs> uh, so, um, what do we want? High-speed Doppler effect cat drive-by noises. When do we want them? Meow! <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but, like, you said... You... <laughs> well, you can have one clap. Get one clap. Gosh, you're a tough audience here. I mean, it's from Pete, so that's <laughs> high praise. 
Well, that's been really interesting. If you'd like to have any further information on Doppler ultrasound, then please get in touch or see our website, imv-imaging.com, for a great guide on getting your head around Doppler. Um, I'd just like to say a huge thank you for all of you for joining me, and we'll be back next month for another episode of Focal Point. Until then, please take a look at our social media platforms for lots more great imaging content and keep scanning. So it's a goodbye from all of us. Thank you very much, Pete, for those explanations, and goodbye. No worries. (laughs) Perfect, thank you.